Coming up on podcast 1948, Ford adds more Tesla superchargers to their network. We get pricing and specs of the Chevrolet Equinox. I think you'll like it. And VW keeps estate lovers happy with the ID7 Touring. Giggity. Plus, stay tuned to find out which company is about to overtake Tesla as the world's number one pure EV maker. But first, let's talk the Ford UAW Pact and how battery plants became a big focus. 56,000 Ford workers under the union umbrella are about to ratify, hopefully they will, uh, this pact that introduces a new way for battery plant employees to get union membership. It also proposes certain provisions lost and being reinstated and abolishing wage layers as well. Emerging after a 41-day strike at Ford, the proposed deal will last until April 28th and backed by an investment commitment by Ford of $8.1 billion. Details on a top level really seem to be a 26% wage hike and supplementary adjustments for cost of living and ramping up Ford's per vehicle labour expense by several hundred dollars, less than a thousand, we think. A focal point, though, has been these battery plants, including new EV facilities in the likes of Tennessee. It's the argument they've been having with the big three from Detroit and how those workers, which are largely ununionized, non-unionized, some of GMs are, can enter the union and receive the master agreement wages that this deal has done. The larger vision is to integrate as many non-union workers in the industry as possible. Adding context to this, General Motors has recently consented to include their battery plant workforce into the union, as I mentioned. And this wasn't about, hey, we've done the deal with the big three and now it's us versus them, the likes of Tesla, the non-unionized. It's a case of, well, this is the deal we've done for these guys and girls who unionized why don't you come and join us? It was very much, hey, our arms are open. We could do the same thing for you. That'll be very interesting. Ford doesn't operate any plants right now, but has plans for four, notably their solely owned Michigan venture. And that was recently halted, paused, if you like. Uh, They tapped the brake pedal uh, owing to concerns, but they never actually named this negotiation which was going on, but I expect all of those plans to move ahead. Although I did tell you recently about that $12 billion Ford investment, which wasn't cancelled, it was simply moved around a little bit, delayed, pushed back. Uh, they've got the Rouge Electric Vehicle Centre uh, investing $900 million there where the F-150 Lightning is made and a new EV truck, their second-gen truck as well. There'll be a new transit, although the existing transit is made in Kansas City. Uh, there will be a new EV product out of their Louisville assembly plant and a new EV van from the Ohio assembly facility as well. Link in the show notes if you'd like to find out more. So, Ford announced their intention to integrate another 3,000 Tesla superchargers into their network. Previously, it was going to be 12,000. Now, it's 15,000. The headlines were Ford adds 3,000 more Tesla superchargers, which I got very excited about after the news that BP was spending $100 on buying V4 superchargers to own and operate themselves. This isn't it. Ford aren't actually adding anything, I don't think. Let me try and understand this. The Blue Oval Charge Network, which is Ford's North American network, which just brings together everybody else under an umbrella, uh, is 106,000 charges. Now they're expanding by 25%. They're adding Francis Energy and Blink and Red E in the US and Canada. Uh, Ford emphasizing how easy it is for charger routing and seamless payment as well. But what about these extra 3,000 superchargers? Well, they exist already, but they are being made available to Ford. I don't understand why they weren't 
initially. Obviously, early in 2024, Ford owners will be able to get the adapter to go from NAX to CCS1 until the new vehicles come out with NAX on the side of them already. So were these extra 3,000 superchargers the V2s that they hadn't worked out how they were going to uh, do that yet, and now they have. Is it an extra bunch of uh, you know V3s, or is it just more uh, integration from Tesla into Ford? But I think what's not happening here is Ford aren't putting anything in the ground, and nor is Tesla, uh, from what I can understand. But it was kind of a weird, vague announcement. Anyway, moving on, and let's talk about General Motors announcing Chevrolet Equinox pricing for a 2024 launch. Uh, they got a bunch of EV journalists on the phone last night and ran through the details. The pricing starts not at $30,000, which was always going to be, we're going to, you know, they always said Equinox will start around 30. It won't. 34,995 is still a very good price because potentially uh, $7,500 for the EV tax credit, which from January can be transferred to a dealership. So claimed instantly, cash on the hood, if you like. That adjustment brings the effective starting price down to 27495 which is really, really good. But that model, not available initially. GM strategy for the Equinox eliminates the smaller option of the two battery packs. Not that we ever knew what the smaller size was. We think the bigger one's around 80 kilowatt hours. Despite recent production delays announced by CEO Mary Barra, uh, the vehicle will initially release, uh, firstly, the 49,210 horsepower front-wheel drive and the 52,290 horsepower all-wheel drive variant. Those are the two ones on sale first. Bookings for those models commence next week. And Chevy hasn't elaborated on the features for the initial batch, but if you think about specs like the 3LT and 3RS trims, uh, the more premium models, that's probably what they'll be. The 1LT base model, front-wheel drive, still listed as of when I just checked this on the Consumer US Chevrolet website. They list the 1LT. They say it's coming in spring 2024. They say it's got 250 miles of range. It absolutely isn't coming in spring 2024 because those two more expensive models are coming first. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, somebody at the internet department of GM wants to just update the page or something. Let's talk a little bit about this Volkswagen ID7 Tora, the brand's first electric estate. VW giving us a peek of the ID7 Tora. That's the name now given to the estate variant of the ID7 Saloon. Official unveiling is going to be early next year. The ID7 Tora, it's not called the wagon or the uh, shooting brake or anything like that. Or I would call it an estate, but they're calling it the ID7 Tora, is of course on the MEB platform, which is underneath the ID3, 4, 5, etc. The Saloon, the ID7 Saloon. So the estate version is obviously going to be all about boot space, 545 litres seats up, 1,714 litres seats down, bigger than a Volkswagen Passat, by the way, and 435 miles of range on the saloon. I don't know why the estate version would be wildly different. It's got a slightly lower uh, CD value, so maybe that affects maybe by a few miles of range. The ID7 Saloon, uh, introduced earlier this year, has the Pro and the Pro S versions. Uh, German customers can now reserve the Pro starting at €57,000. That's £48,000 equivalent. The ID7 is due to hit European and Chinese markets before Christmas. US markets get it early in the new year. Battery options include the familiar 77 kilowatt pack with 170 kilowatt 
fast charging peak rate and a new pack actually for VWs on the MEB platform. An 86 kilowatt hour version, 435 miles, as I mentioned, on a full charge. And they say a peak rate of 200 kilowatts on that. Now, Porsche is going to incorporate Google natively into their future vehicle. So Google Maps Assistant and apps from the Google Play Store in upcoming Porsches. Features expected to be produced by the middle of the decade will get uh, Android natively. Despite the integration, Porsche enthusiasts can expect the familiar interface, which you have in if you're used to the Porsche uh, interface, but within a kind of subset of that is how I read this, will be uh, Android Automotive. Uh, The system, they say, will have constant updates and the combined effort will give drivers the best of the Google system, but also within all the Porsche branding and stuff like that, which I think is it's kind of interesting, different way that you know Volvo and Polestar have done it, which is, is go for more of a pure Android uh, interface. So we'll see how Porsche do that. Now that, let me add context to that. That is all within uh, the chaos that's happening with Volkswagen software division carrier. I'm sure they want to get it under control as soon as possible, but this has been a bit of a problem chart for them. Some would say that's an understatement. Uh, Facing yet another delay in releasing new software architecture because of layoffs established. Just three years ago, Carryad is now looking at cutting 2,000 jobs, according to a German report in Manager Magazine. The workforce reduction will push back the launch of VW's software architecture 1.2 by up to a year and a half. And the software platform 1.2 designed for vehicles like the Macan EV, that's the new Porsche, and the Audi Q6 e-tron was meant to be out already, meant to be out last year in 2022. Carryad postponed that to late this year. And under the new leadership there at Carryad, it does sound like these layoffs could impact that software. But is it going to impact the release of the vehicles of the Macan and the Q6? Now, they've already been pushed back. It was meant to be out this year to a kind of March, April time next year. Will they be pushed back again? Or they have different software. I mean, there was no clarification from VW Group on that. Carryout's still working on version 2.0 of their OS, which, again, there's no sign of when that next-gen software is going to be out. It was uh, software something identified by Herbert Deese, the former head of uh, Volkswagen Group, who was very close to Elon Musk. And I think he worked out, like, that's one of the things that we need to get right, and that's our own software stack and our own software engineers. And perhaps even he's not there because of the failure of that, but it's something that they're still struggling with. Let's talk Skoda, releasing their faster-charging Skoda ENIAC, but not for a while yet. Uh, This was the CEO, Klaus Zelmer, talking to Autocar in a recent interview, talking about the next-gen Skoda ENIAC. That's going to be on the SSP platform, which is going to be this new integrated platform from the Volkswagen Group. 80% of their cars uh, from the Group, VW Group, are going to be on this SSP platform. But they're looking at 2028 for this. But again, it might all come down to software, which is crazy. They're going to launch, we think, the new Golf as well on SSP as well. Now, in the last year, they sold 54,000 ENIACs. I see them flying around here all the time. They're a popular vehicle. And uh, hopefully with that new architecture, new modular design, they can move that vehicle on. But I think Skoda did a great job compared to its competitors like the ID4, for instance. 
Now, let's talk Zika. The 001FR is exceeding the expectations and lowering the price that we were teased with. That Zika 001FR is the all-out, insane, bonkers, high-performance version of this. Now, contrary to earlier speculations, the quad motor EV is actually more powerful than we thought, goes quicker than we thought, and is about $30,000 less than we thought boasts 1300 horsepower 1300 plus horsepower not to 100 kph not to 62 miles an hour in 2.02 seconds uh, that's a 0.05 second improvement on what they told us last time they're still calling the tesla plaid cars dull and boring because this one's faster and it has their new 800 volt architecture with the 100 kilowatt hour catl kirin battery pack so an 80 percent charge in 15 minutes uh, it's got four silicon carbide motors uh, made internally by zika of course part of the Geely organization, which are doing some fascinating things with EVs right now. The 001 FR starting at 770,000 RMB, uh, which is again, it was going to be about a million. That's about 105,000 US dollars equivalent. It is slated for a global release, but no time frame. Now, on the way very soon, uh, we'll talk about a new charging network, which has been uh, greenlit here in Europe, and how well BYD is doing. Stick around those stories and more coming up. Let's talk EV used EV pricing expected to drop with corporate leases ending. This is a UK story, but it's happening everywhere around the world. And uh, new data from New Automotive predicts another fall in prices of EVs. Companies have around 475,000 EVs on their books here in the UK, and the majority are on a two-, three-, or four-year lease. Over the last six months alone, the median price of a second-hand EV has fallen by £10,000. A big surge in corporate EV numbers was observed kind of post-2020, really. Uh, We have a thing called benefit-in-kind tax. So if your employer or your business gives you a benefit of working there, a benefit-in-kind, which company car is or a car to use both for business but you can use it for your personal use as well at zero percent tax rate versus combustion taxes which are just enormous it's not even up for debate it's just if you want a company car in the uk you would get an ev with a zero it's one percent big tax the minute it goes up again i think next year to two percent but either way uh the fleets have really driven evs here in the uk now let's talk about a new charging network which has been given the nod by european union regulators bp and ibudrola are collaborating on a new fast charging business had to go through regulators first though and they've said yep that's okay the partnership was initially signed as a a kind of intent agreement back in July 2022. Uh, But now I think it can move forward to a full joint venture, new organisation to manage 5,000 fast charging stations by the middle of the decade and have 11,000 in the ground by 2030. Ibadrola currently oversees 2,500 of them. BP uh, provides users with access to a big network of over 10,000 charging stations, mostly in the UK and Germany. Uh, In the Iberian Peninsula, BP intends to leverage their existing petrol stations, about 1,300 locations they have to turn them into dual-purpose charging hubs. Such a great use of land. And I love to see it, uh, which is fossil companies getting on board with adding DC fast chargers to uh, the existing land they've got. Because, you know, a 15, 20-minute stop, you're going to spend a few quid in, uh, in the little shop, aren't you? On some snacks? They know that. And I like to see that investment. Now, 
which EV maker is about to overtake Tesla as the world's number one pure EV maker? Well, that would be BYD. Their Q3 revenue reached a big milestone, surging 38% year on year and 40% quarter on quarter. Their net profit for the three months alone that we've just had was a record-breaking $1.42 billion or $10.4 billion RMB. That's an 82% growth year on year. Now, BYD reporting sales of 824,000 new energy vehicles in the last quarter alone. That does also include, that wraps up, that's not just passenger vehicles. Um, there'll be a few commercial ones in there, but that's also plug-in hybrids. Of those, 435,000 were pure BEVs, just 3,500 less than Tesla on the quarter. But back at the beginning of the year, or the first nine months of the year, they were far behind. So BYD was at 1.04 million uh, BEVs for the first nine months of the year, Tesla at 1.32. So if BYD has a stellar Q4, and Tesla, we follow the guidance we had from them recently, we think that well, BYD could very quickly be the world's biggest maker of not just new energy vehicles, as the Chinese call them, cars with plug sockets on the side of them, uh, but pure EVs as well. When that crossover happens, I will wait to find out. Now, the world's biggest EV battery maker is next. CATL has initiated its latest battery manufacturing base, mostly automated, they say, cutting-edge automated lines. Uh, October 27th, it went into operation in China with a yearly capacity of 60 gigawatt hours of cells and a cell coming off the line every second to make the average battery pack in 2.5 minutes. Mack Trucks is next in the news, and they want to help their commercial customers go EV by a new subscription service. Uh, Mack Trucks are offering a per-mile, pay-as-you-go service, including the miles driven, uh, the vehicle's body, the chassis, the charging services, insurance services, maintenance in one monthly payment, according to how many miles that their clients and customers drive. The aim is to minimise initial costs for customers and reduce long-term risks. They have an infrastructure, uh, Electrify infrastructure department as well, or sort of scheme as well, uh, which will help their clients put charging stations in, design them, construct them, install them, and have all the necessary hardware and software to run them. Now let's talk about LG Chem introducing a fire-resistant EV battery material. Because you and I know you can't drive for more than five minutes in an EV without it spontaneously combusting. But LG, the South Korean firm, have a solution, a new battery shield capable of resisting flames up to 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit for 20 minutes. It's a new thermoplastic that will handle both fire and the pressure, the, the subsequent pressure, that's uh, four ti 14 times more efficient, protective than what they're using in their materials at the moment. And so if this were to be put into production and used in EV battery production, of course, if there was a thermal event and a, a thermal runaway and, and a very, very rare uh, battery fire, this would contain it and certainly give emergency services a chance to contain the scene, certainly give you more of a chance to uh, know what was going on if the vehicle was in your house to all those kind of things. Look, car fires enormously common with combustion vehicles, but you know when it happens with an EV for whatever reason, because of damage or a crash, of course the media is all over it. 
Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.